0: Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Jenny Swigert checking in on a Thursday. It yes, is sir. Thursday, right, Jenny?
1: It is. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I'm wearing my red shirt today because okay. our guest, Anne Jeanette Shadley, and I have been um she's, she's i don't know she's like a giants fan or something, and <laughs> she really needs to be a saint Louis fan and I think I've been trying for like almost ten years to like bring her well, to the good side
0: so if you're a saint if you're supporting the St Louis blues wouldn't you be wearing blue <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hey, and you know what, Like I like the what? former St. Louis Rams. Sorry, but yeah. it's never going to be the Dirty Birds.
0: And Anjanette, <laughs> welcome to the program. And I believe you're the first Anjanette I've ever met.
2: Thank my mom. TV yeah. Guide, 1969.
0: <laughs> that's funny, right there. Uh, are we talking water, Anjanette? Can somebody in California that's involved in agriculture talk about anything other than starting with a water discussion?
2: Not this year.
0: Unfortunately, 5%? 5% of the allotment? Who in their right mind thinks that they can grow anything with 5%?
2: Well, unfortunately, that is the case in the San Joaquin Valley. We're in a little bit better position in the northern Sacramento Valley. Uh, we're at 50% on the feather, and uh, CBP has worked out a, a different deal. They were like 75%. Okay. What do all these percentages mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe we should start at the beginning, Anjanette. T- take us okay. to the beginning. What's going on with this snow melt? Where's it all go? Uh,
2: the snow melt. Okay. So I told, I asked Jenny. I'm like, Jenny, I get pretty technical. I just think that everybody knows already what I know. Yeah. So, we'll you keep know, we you. have these we'll keep reservoirs, right? Right. So the snow is very important to fill those reservoirs. So those reservoirs are at very bad levels at the moment. Um, and a
1: lot of those are piped down to Southern California.
2: Um, well, they they serve the agricultural first. Um, and Southern California also has their own reservoirs. So Shasta up in Redding, California, up there, I'm guessing Trent knows where, where Modoc County is. A lot of ranchers up there.
0: County. Absolutely. Uh,
2: so directly to their west is Shasta, the uh, largest reservoir. and. That serves the farmers uh, on the Sacramento side, so the west side of the valley. Does that make sense? I know we're talking geography here that might not everybody understands. And that's called the Sacramento River. And then we have Lake Oroville, the major um, reservoir for what's called the State Water Project on the Feather River side. So I work for a district on the Feather River, and we get our water out of Oroville. And then you have some. San Luis Reservoir. It's on the other side of what we call the Delta. I know you tweeted out Delta smelt. (laughs) So the feather and the sack go down to the Delta and then it goes out to the farmers in the San Joaquin Valley that are not as fortunate um, to have good water supplies.
0: You amazingly grow rice in your part of the country. Most people don't know there's Mm -hmm. rice grown in Northern California like that.
2: It's almost a half. It's a half a million acres. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's That's incredible yeah my district is uh, 90% rice and I think we're planting about 51,000 acres this year in my district alone so um, it's sushi rice so if you like sushi we grow your sushi rice
1: do you still have that camera or well you were waiting for it to come back last time we talked about it um, to show the eagles and it overlooks the rice field
2: Yes, I still have my webcam. It's finally back live. Everybody can go to westerncanal.com. Right at the top, it says webcam. If you're, it's moving around. It's me controlling it and that is my office view. So I watched about five tractors yesterday staying ahead. I mean, you had the roller, you had the planer, you had, you know, they, the seeds probably going on in the next couple days. So watch it and watch those cameras fly around.
0: Can I step back and ask a bigger picture question? How are everyday working small business owners, farmers, ranchers, everybody weathering the storm in California in April of 2021?
2: They're making some really tough decisions is how they're weathering the storm. Um, Mm. I do not envy. So my brother and my sister-in-law also farm rice, but they're over in Maxwell and they um, get their water out of Shasta in order to help farmers south of Delta, they are actually going to fallow their land this year and sell what water they would have used to uh, Glen Clusa Irrigation District, which is a sister district. So you're making tough decisions. You're making tough economic decisions to help yourself and help other farmers in the state.
0: And and my question was, including water, but above and beyond – all of the governmental hurdles that have been created by state government in California for as long as I've been coming to California, which is now 22 years. And yet there's so many people that have been so resilient. Water is just one of the challenges that you have. How many crops go unharvested in California because the labor situation is absolutely unbelievable. So in the bigger picture, including water, but overall, are people still as optimistic and resilient as they have been?
2: Well, you know, I think there's a, a given that in order to be a farmer, you have to be optimistic, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You're always looking for the next crop. You're always looking for the next year because, I, I mean, to be a farmer is that's a a trait you have to have. You have to be optimistic. So,
1: what about? So, the last time I was out there i don't remember what year that was um, but I was out there in I think fifteen when it was just completely desolate, and we had people who were almond farmers who were i mean they had just left the the groves and the react i mean everything cause and effect there were problems with the um citrus greening you guys use a different term out west that was happening because groves orange groves weren't being taken care of because the farmers had just up and left because they didn't have enough water to produce a
2: profitable crop are we to that stage so i think what one good thing or what people need to understand in california is that it's large right how big is california so different areas of the state have different competing economic factors. So, and I hate to put this to the haves and the have-nots, but you need to have groundwater, you need to have surface water, and you most likely would like to have both, right? So that's gonna drive your economic decisions on what if you leave your trees in, if you go to higher value crops, um Cam and Michael with uh, Bulls Farming and Joe Del Bosque down there in the San Joaquin are more probably of your experts on the economic drivers on what's going to stay planted and what's not. Or or if you're just going to sell um, to housing developments.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been the challenge, particularly in the San Joaquin Valley, is growing houses has become the profit center.
2: Yeah, we have, we're kind of fortunate, and I don't know how many years now, but in Butte County, where I live, in Chico, California, we have what's called the green line. And so the green line comes down and it's all ad, right? And so we kind of stopped the development of um, the urban sprawl coming um, onto prime farm ground. And I think that was a great decision. People want to challenge it now, but I think it's it was a very good thing for Butte County.
0: And David Chaddock is weighing in, Jenny. I just need to share this. David lives at Auburn. Anginette, just so you know where he's at, close to Sacramento. And he says his water uh, cost on a small ranch is $8,500 per year. That's what my property taxes are, and I complain nonstop about that.
1: So let's put that in perspective for people who are watching or listening from the Midwest. This means that he is being charged for the water he is taking out of the
2: ground. Not for
0: No, not exactly right? out of the No, ground. well,
2: he's saying irrigation water. So that's right. what is he get? Is he in a water district, David, or is he only taking groundwater? There's a big difference there.
0: Yeah, no, he's got to be in an irrigation district, and okay. he'll be I'm chiming sorry. in to tell us what it is. But that's not taking. That's not pumping water out of his own for his livestock or his house. That's to water to crops.
1: But that does occur in some places, correct? Yeah. And I don't know what the
2: amounts are. Because
0: whoa, 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 wait. Anjanette, are you saying that people are paying to, if they have their own well for their house, they pay for water coming out of their own well?
2: Oh, he just said he's in Nevada Irrigation District, so he's due east of me. Um, right. And is that Placer County or El Dorado County? Well, maybe Nevada oh,
0: County. <laughs> oh, Oh, I have an issue. It's probably Nevada County, but I have an issue. Look at my clock. We are going to continue to talk about California and just basically bringing you the message that not everybody in California is a whack job, just those that live in three counties. We uh, want to remind you about Neogen and the opportunity to do a DNA fingerprint. On the animals that you want to reproduce, the chickens, the cattle, the pigs, those are the three I care about. And Neogen is creating the opportunity for you to have a 20% coupon through May 15th for any genomic testing. Get details at Neogen.com. Tell them Trent sent you. If that gets you that 20% coupon, we'll be back with more California talk after this. Welcome back. Roller out. Trent Luce alongside Ingenet and Jenny. That just sounds like the beginning of a band and Jeanette and Jenny on stage now.
2: <laughs> oh, you should see us out. We could be out. peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and Jenny.
0: Who is, who, who is which <laughs> are you peanut butter or jelly?
2: I'm peanut butter. Oh,
0: I'm, peanut butter. <laughs> I'm jelly. Uh, so something, we did a horrible job and this is my fault. You actually work for irrigate or water district.
2: Yes, I did. I'm assistant okay. general manager at Western canal water district.
0: And, you kind of walked us through the reservoirs allocations and all of that, but in general, your job as a water district is just to you're governed by a board or how does this structure work and just kind of give us a glimpse of how this would fit in the bigger picture?
2: Yeah. So uh, we have a five member board of directors who are all landowners uh, in um, our district. So we have some fairly, Uh, large landowners. It's uh, one vote per acre. Um, They're all very uh, forward-thinking, thoughtful um, individuals who I'm very proud to work for. And um, we hardly have any turnover. We don't really have a challenged election. We've had one in a couple last years, but we got a small guy, we got the big guys, and we got, you know, the larger growers. And I I think it's very well balanced. And the general manager has been there for over 29 years. So I would think that he's doing a pretty good job.
1: And what do you think are the top challenges that farmers, this backing up way back to the beginning, but what are the top challenges that farmers are facing and ranchers with water in California?
2: um, The top challenges for farmers in California is gonna vary by your your, uh, geographic location. Um, my district allocated 3.5 acre feet per acre this year. So you're going to figure out if, and we give them a five-year history of their water use. So they're going to make the decisions on how much of a crop they can actually plant. Um, other areas of the state, I honestly, I, with 5% allocation in the San Joaquin Valley, I don't know what those decisions they are making is very, very hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So what you are saying, if I'm correct, is that we are already, you know, end of April and there's
2: only 5% allocation. Well, it's an allocation for a year. Yeah. And that's, again, we, and what that is, is your entire supply. I think water rights, I think is universal across the United States and every state has a different way that they allocate those. Right. So Western canal where I work for, we're gonna, we were cut 50% of the water that we would normally have. So it's about 210 acre, 210,000 acre feet of water we have to mm-hmm. divvy amongst our landowners. Other districts have a certain amount of water right and that's going to be cut 50% and that's all they're going to have to give their farmers. I think my sister district in Richvale Irrigation, they are expecting, um, like an 80% plant versus a hundred percent plant.
1: How is that all decided? Sorry, Trent.
2: No, that's I, the Farmers question. decide. They are going to see how much water the district is going to be able to give them, and then they're going to apply that, or and they're going to supplement it with groundwater. And, you know, San Joaquin, I think it's been in the news that they're facing groundwater challenges. The state of California passed the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act in 2014. And they've had to come up with plans to make sure that you know it's not depleting the groundwater for mo- both domestic and agricultural use.
0: And Jeanette, well, I've been on a tour, and Jolene's here and commenting on my rag, which absolutely I love it. I might wear it every day. It's called. Sandy I love cowboy. that everywhere. Uh, but there's a tremendous application for what you're dealing with. In California, and I'm going to work better at drawing the parallels from this day forward. In fact, I talked about it two days ago, but that doesn't matter. So the Delta smelt has been the focus of all of these challenges because it's it's listed as an endangered species. And, and we have these designations that we have to provide X amount of water to the Delta smelt. We have to increase the habitat for the Delta smelt because we want to governmentally protect this species. And to me, if you really look at what's happened, we're, the, the issue is not a shortage of water. The issue is who has the priority to get the water. And we've had government mandates mandating that a, a fish that's about that big gets the water instead of the farmers growing food for people. And what has happened is that we put into place protections for this Delta smelt and the, their habitat which clearly increased the habitat for the predators of the Delta smelt. And so there's more pressure on the Delta smelt because government intervened and said, we're going to do what's best for, and they've just exacerbated the problem. And now, right now, obviously what's top of mind for me is executive order and climate change crisis. And it's about energy. It's about zero carbon uh, footprint. and, And it's about 30 by 30. And so what they say is they want 30% of the land by 2030 to be in government control for climate change mitigation. Okay, let's look at the history of government managing lands and water because this one says 30% of the land and ocean by 2030. So let's look at what they have their history and their track record of managing land for just trying to save a little Delta smell By the way, there's 2,600 species of on the endangered species list between plants and animals. And since 1973, they've recovered 47.
2: Yeah, a, it seems like it's a, a lot easier for... to list them than it is to delist them. And there's a number that have been uh, recovered that should be delisted or at least downgraded. Um, so when you're talking about the water being allocated to the fish, it's also being mm-hmm. allocated for water quality going through the Delta for um uh, Supplies for the urbans, but the problem this year more than any other year is that our reservoirs have been depleted So that supply from the snow melt we talked about earlier in the reservoirs you know is at record low levels, so um there's been a very uh, forward-thinking group of State water leaders and government officials that have been working on the voluntary agreements and the voluntary agreements are to balance those needs of those inflow um, requirements that you just talked about, Trent, and then habitat improvements for species in the upper watershed, like the winter run uh, Chinook salmon, right? So there has to be a balance. There has to be functional flows, timing when they need it, not just shoving a bunch of water down the river because... We are, I would say we have it. We don't have it this year. So it's gotta be pointed and it's gotta be deliberate. And, uh, the Sac River Settlement contractors, um, have done a lot of work and a lot of investment from their own farmers' money. And they're doing those other, um, things across the state and in the San Joaquin too. We just need buy-in and we need government support. And I know a lot of people don't like Governor Newsom out there, but he has actually um, been a big supporter of these voluntary agreements to make some sense out of what we have been doing because it obviously isn't working, right?
0: Yeah, you'd be the first person I heard say something positive about Governor Newsom. You would be.
2: Well, without his leadership right now on voluntary agreements, um, they'd be dead and we'd probably be in worse shape. At least there's hope at the moment.
0: Jenny, I just want to ask one follow-up question to that. How have you felt the federal government intervening in either at your local district or the state government been a problem as it relates to water?
2: Um, so I, just as a disclaimer, I'm on the state water project, so I don't really have to deal with the feds very much. Having said that mm-hmm. the uh, the Sacramento river is federally controlled. So the biological opinions the scientists are probably um, the ones that have the most impact on any operations um, and designations, as you were just saying. So if you want to talk intervening, we have to have science, sound science. We have to know, have to have new science um, that shows the good things that farmers are doing for uh, the environment and fish.
1: But even with the delta smell, Trump got involved with that. And he, was he fighting against or for? Well, I missed
2: that. What did you say?
0: His exact words were, uh, well, he gave Scott Pruitt the marching orders publicly, get the California wa- farmers the water they need. He said that to Scott Pruitt when he hired him with the EPA.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying uh, that that was a wrong decision. I'm just saying that is an example of feds getting involved with
2: what's happening on the state level. Um, I, I was suppose. looking at it's your so
1: complicated.
2: Yeah, that's very complicated. And Carmen over in the chat said food grows where water flows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mike Wade at the California farm water coalition. We are a member. I have a big sign um, on my canal as they drive by 99 that says food grows or water flows. And they do an, a tremendous job on trying to educate not only our legislators, but also the regulators. Um, They do a great job, but we can't grow crops and we can't feed the world if we don't have water.
0: We will continue this water flowing discussion, but I have to remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company providing opportunities for farmers to get closer to the consumer. It's kind of like the water allocation. We've not allocated enough of the consumer's food dollar to the producer. It's been about 17%. That's what the farmer gets of the consumer's food dollar. Not at Lone Creek. You get a larger chunk. You get a premium of about $180 per head over market price. Details about your involvement in certified Piedmontese by contacting Marley Will. Find him at lonecreekcattleco.com. We're halfway through more Roll Route after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Anjanette joining us. Anjanette Shadley from Northern California, not to be confused with Southern California. I thought Jenny was really confusing you for a moment when she told you your orange trees had greening issues in Modoc County.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't think there's much (laughs) citrus up there in Modoc County. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They're they're fruits
0: of another kind.
1: Most of the time that I have spent (laughs) out there has been Sacramento and further south but not as South as San Diego, but I've been able to tour all types of citrus, rice, um, cattle, all sorts of different operations. Um, and so that, and that's been a couple of years ago. And so I'm not as connected as I had been. Right. Um, but I do remember there was a huge issue with those in the urban areas, not understanding, well, what do you, well, why do you have to give water to farmers? Why can't we have that water? Is that still a situation that you have to deal with educating the public?
2: Yeah. Educating the public is a, is a big challenge um, because it comes out of the tap and there it is, right? Nobody really understands how it actually gets there. So it's either coming from the groundwater where I'm at here in Chico or it's coming out of a reservoir and it's being treated. So, um, desal, reverse osmosis is a big thing down in Southern California. Um, and a lot of people, um, aren't aware that like LA, I know there's, you know, everybody talks about Northern California water being shipped South. Well, they built and paid for Oroville, right? So, um, they're paying, this is how I say you bought a more, you bought a house that has three bedrooms and a mortgage, but you're paying the entire bill, but you only get to live in the kitchen. So that's kind of what's happening with Southern California and the San Joaquin uh, Valley farmers too. They're paying and investing for a project and they're only getting to use about this much of what they're paying for, you know? Mm. So um, I don't think I answered your question. Sorry, Jenny. (laughs) No, I just. But
0: but it does speak to the loudest voices because I'm very fortunate to speak in Bishop, California years back. Uh, Unfortunately, not during mule days, which maybe I'll make it to mule days this year. But I just felt a whole different feel about the town and the, the optimistic future, the lack of optimistic future, because L.A. worked this deal where they've got a pipeline running water from Bishop all the way down to L.A., and it's almost like they piped their future down to the populated areas. That was and the sense I got when I was there.
1: What was the situation once you finally started getting rain? I think it was in like 2018. And there was all of that water that ended up being sent out to the ocean. Yeah, what that's a problem. That
2: about?
0: That, that so we're trying to build to
2: sites reservoir outside of Maxwell. We're trying to increase the storage in Los Vaqueros um, in Contra Costa. And we need to capture more of that water. I think, you know, Trent, I talked about functional flows before. You capture those storm flows and you release it. Later, for either the farmers or for the fish, right? And we need those investments because what is going on now is just not working, right? So um, we need to make those investments in infrastructure. Um, And there's a big infrastructure bill at the federal level and we're putting all those suggestions in there and hopefully we can get the money and build those much needed reservoirs.
0: And and that's the message right there, isn't it, Anjanette? Is that there's really enough water it's a matter of making mm-hmm. sure that the water is managed and gets to where it needs to be instead of just letting it be in its natural state.
1: Yeah. I always said there's there's the environmental drought, but there's also the political drought.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the operations in the Delta, I'm seeing the chat on the side about water being flowed out to the Delta. They need real-time forecasting, and I think the science is catching up to let us do that. Poor Folsom Lake, which is the closest to the Delta, has barely any water in it, right? We got to be able to keep that water in it instead of maybe letting it drain out for flood flows and keep more water there. So um, it's it, it takes good water management and we've got to increase it and we've got to put those investments.
0: At, at what point, I mean, rice obviously is a higher intense water usage crop than some others that could be planted. And I see you shaking your head, but this is creating a wow. great opportunity. At what point do people look at the crops that have been produced and say, "Should we make a change?" How do we evaluate all of that?
2: Well, um, my data, or not my personal data, but the data out there is almonds and, and rice use about the same amount of water. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's flood irrigated; it's about an, an inch, right? So, um, and and I think anybody would agree in any uh, community that it's an economic driver. So it's not just the rice being grown. It's also the money being put back into the economy. It's you were talking about your property taxes, right? We're supporting the police and the fire department and your local grocery store, um, the infrastructure, the mills, the trucking. So growing rice is um, more than just a crop that uses water. It's also an economic driver in all our communities. The same for almonds, the same for walnuts, the same for cotton, you know, carrots.
0: Well, In reality, Internet, that is the discussion that we need to have more often because for how long have people been critical of the dairy cows in the San Joaquin Valley, you know, the dairy Mecca of the nation, because cows use too much water? Okay, first of all, there's the same amount of water on earth that there was when Jesus walked the planet, all right? We have the same amount of water. Where it's at and where it's located and whether it has salt in it or not, that might be a discussion. But all of us need to do a better job explaining water efficiency. And and I think you just nailed it. But that extends to every single food crop is that we just need to manage these resources so that we use them most efficiently and then have them available when we need them in the future. Don't talk about how much water rice needs versus the dairy cow or whatever the case may be, because that conversation will get hijacked by people who live in cubicles in San Francisco and L.A.
2: Exactly. Well, how much water does it take to produce a computer chip? That, you know, that's another argument, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm a retired dairy farmer and I used to work for Western United Dairymen. That was my first job out who, of college. In who
0: retires politics. at the age of 35, by the way?
2: <laughs> I'm a little older than that. Thanks, mom. Good genes. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you make a, an, an excellent point, Trent, and it's one that agriculture tries to educate the public on all the time.
0: And, and again, David brings up something that has been the discussion since the first time I walked into San Joaquin Valley, now nearly 25 years ago. Building the infrastructure. We've not improved the infrastructure. And, and Jeanette, you've been talking about this as well. Is this build the infrastructure so that we capture the water and then can use it more efficiently? That is at the end of the day is what we're talking about.
2: Yeah. And to answer David's question, there has been a new dam and it's Diamond Valley Lake and it's uh, in Metropolitan Water District Service area. So they've been growing their local supplies to less reliance on Northern California water because, frankly, they can't get it. It's not getting through the Delta. And we, this controversial as well, but we need to improve Delta conveyance. We need to be able to get that water to our farmers in the San Joaquin, and we need to get uh, the water down to Southern California. Because let's not forget, there's a lot of crops grown in Southern California, too, over the Tehachapis. So...
1: If you're, let's say you're speaking to someone here in the Midwest and they see this last week, there's been a lot of headlines, mega drought occurring and talking about the water that farmers need, but people don't connect that to like strawberries, cantaloupe, oranges, all of those types of produce that are grown there. How do you explain and connect that problem?
2: about getting water to grow crops
1: strawberries yes or yeah
2: strawberries well it's funny because i was just in the grocery store two days ago and somebody was like gosh what's happening to the prices of strawberries well <laughs> if you got less water you're growing less strawberries you got less supply right so in demand yeah and it's an economic decision by the farmer he's going to grow a more high value crop if he has a limited amount of water right whether it's groundwater or surface water you gonna make that economic decision. Or cattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many head is your how many head is your pastor gonna support? You know?
0: Uh ironic that we're falling into this strawberry conversation because eight years ago this very day, I was in Chino standing in the middle of a strawberry patch watching these individuals harvest a strawberry. They would cut the top of it off. They would put it in a box in the field. They would package it, put it on a crate. And that night it would go to LAX. And the next day that strawberry would be consumed in New York City. And I was thinking, this is the efficiency of today's food system. Now, Uh that brings about the whole discussion that J.C. Cole and I have every Wednesday, which is Are we reliant upon food that's too far away? Shouldn't we be more? But the truth of the matter is that the resources and that central coast or or wherever we're out there outside of LA is really adapt to growing that crop very efficiently. And the avocados in the the central coast region, Mm -hmm. all of those 80% of our vegetables that are grown in the United States are grown in California. And we've established a system that can transport them very efficiently but that does make us vulnerable. And that's something that we have to keep into consideration when our transportation and fuel and everything else is at a minute's notice could be in peril.
2: I, I, I think it's a testament to our farmers, um, always continuing to adopt new technology and being able to grow more with less, um, inputs, um, and then go ahead and be able to get them to New York you know, by mm-hmm. the next day, right? So right. our farmers are behind all this innovation and they don't get the credit for it. And we need to um, educate the consumer on that as well. Yeah, it would be great. We like going to our farmer's markets, right? But they do not be able to produce the supply needed for 80,000 people in Chico, right? Or any community.
0: Uh, So I have one minute, Anjanette. Uh-huh. We have the same theme every day and we have it every minute of this particular broadcast. And that is... We just need to educate them. Are we really going to educate anybody before the strawberries not only are higher in the store, but they're not available?
2: No, it's just an ongoing challenge. I do it every day. You do it every day, right? But are we speaking to, uh, we're just speaking to ourselves? How do we get out there and reach them? That That's the challenge, I think.
0: No, 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 no. You cannot ask me that question. That was my question to you.
2: <laughs> Quit asking me the questions
0: I'm setting you up for.
2: <laughs> you know, like I said, we have to depend on our on our agricultural advocates. I've got my uh, Butte County Farming, uh, still farming uh, water coffee bottle, right? We just need to take every opportunity to connect with that person in, in the store. I look for those opportunities. You just have to get to where they're going. Speak at your local Rotary. Uh, you know, there's just no easy answer. Northern wow. California Water Association does a tremendous job in the Sacramento Valley. Uh, Mike Wade at California Farm Water Coalition, our amazing Farm Bureau, our California Cattlemen's. Um, you know, we, it, it just takes a village. I don't mean to make it that simple, but it, it does. Is. We can't not- have a bad attitude. We have to take a positive attitude to educate our neighbors. I don't want to draw a line. Hold hold on,
0: Anjanette. You can draw a line when we get back with the last segment of roll route, arise USA resurrection tour. Stay tuned more after. Welcome back. Roll route. I think I've fallen in the middle of some baseball tug of war. (laughs) I didn't ask for this.
1: (laughs) One, I mean, everything that you said is great, but one very crucial area that I think that we all had overlooked and the whole reason I agreed to do this show is that we forget about the non-farmer and non-ranchers stories. We have forgotten about let our story sit to the side and let's genuinely get to know people. And so I try to bring on people who are the yoga mom with the two kids with the stroller, and then introduce them to the agriculture community. Now we've gone to we, the people, because it is all about the people. Um, but that that's very important that we are introducing those non-farm and non-ranch folks to this listeners. This mm-hmm. audience is huge. Um, and just don't forget about their story because their stories are just as important as ours. And I think we get sometimes too wrapped up in telling ours.
2: We do do a lot of tours. We bring actually people up from Southern California and take them out on the farm, take them out on a harvester, take them out on a tractor, show them the wildlife benefits. I mean, we're in the Pacific Flyway and we are their main feeding source in the winter. So farmers don't get credit for the environmental uh, benefits they provide too. So you've got to bring them out there. I think the farm stays, I think the farm tours are absolutely important to everyone, legislators and our neighbors.
1: But have we taken tours to San Diego or LA? Uh, what well, I, do. LA. Yeah,
0: I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been a part of one. And I'll tell you, uh, Celeste Traney and I partnered up on this, Ag Day L.A., We had uh, there. I don't remember how many hundreds of third graders came to the Pomona County or Pomona Fairgrounds. And I had the opportunity to address about 50 teachers that day at Ag Day L.A. And there were animals there. And there is a concerted effort all across those populous areas in California to do a better job in education. It just gets really noisy.
1: But did you hang out in the parks? Did you talk to the random people and find out what's going on in their lives and well, what they what they do with their families on the weekends?
0: Of course, I did. Yeah, absolutely, I do all the time. I and know that, no stranger.
1: That well, okay, that may be true, but that is where I think we are missing. It we're not we're not finding out more about what are they doing in that park or you know hey why are you buying this kind of strawberry versus this kind of strawberry? yeah
0: jenny swire do you know how many grocery stores i've been kicked out of because i'm too friendly with the patrons
1: (laughs) oh i can imagine it's a lot yeah a lot Uh,
0: i think the last one was in reno i got plum kicked out because the guy setting up a radio studio in a costco is frowned upon apparently
1: We need to work on those personal um, skills when you're at the grocery store, Trent, but we can do that after the show.
0: Yeah, it's not my personal skills. It's that when you start asking people questions, they pull back, and then it's not long. And some manager is saying, why are you talking to our patrons? Why are you trying to influence their decisions? I mean, I've been down this road a lot, and – you have to go ask for permission and then they don't want you talking to their customers because they're afraid they're going to get in the middle of some political discussion about food and you get kicked out. So but maybe that, that wasn't
1: the best example. Um, for instance, a lot of people, I don't like start talking at baseball games about what we're doing. Um, we do, My father-in-law, whenever, you know, we go to... Bush Stadium and those awesome St. Louis Cardinals, he will struck up a conversation with the rows behind him, in front of him, and just starts talking and just is blown away because he gets off the farm like uh, once I, I agree. And
0: all of that is vitally important, but I want to also tell you that I, I, the day that I was at Ag Day LA resonates with me because right. I had the audience of those teachers and those teachers interact with kids every year. And if we don't get the right information to them, and Agna Classroom has done a phenomenal job doing this, but when they can come and sit and visit with people in agriculture and and talk to the guy, the dairyman that owns the cow, and the guy there with the sow, it makes an impact. And so you have to, when you come to comes to education and bringing non-farm folks folks into the fold, you have to look at the efficiency of doing that. And while it's important at a ball game, those teachers every year are planting seeds about farming with the kids.
1: I'm not talking about education. I'm talking about building a relationship with someone regardless of where they live and talking Mm -hmm. about anything that has nothing to do with farming and ranching. That's what we're missing out on. How can we know what people want if we really don't know because we haven't had those
2: conversations? But don't you think we need more than one day you know, we have farm day. All the fourth graders, it's part of the curriculum. You know, we need more than one day. It should be ingrained into the curriculum overall. I mean, Jenny, you're a dairy farmer, come from a dairy farmer, the cows, just like me. How many kids are, you know, think chocolate milk comes from brown cows, right?
0: Jerseys. Um,
1: <laughs> Technically, they do because <laughs> when the milk goes to curry farms, they put the chocolate syrup in. And it becomes chocolate milk. Swear to you, my now 18-year-old told his kindergarten teacher that and blew her away with that. But, yeah, I mean, but what about, you know, talking about Pokemon? Like, I got into a conversation about Pokemon last week in Stillwater, Oklahoma, in a bar. What about, you know, talking about... I don't know. Playing cards, sitting around playing cards. How
0: about just being a good listener? That's what you're saying,
1: right? Just, I mean, we don't have to sit there and and not lecture, but we don't have to sit there and always talk about ag.
0: Oh, trust me, if you lecture somebody, you'll have their attention for about two point seven seconds.
2: Exactly. You know, I I don't know about you guys, Trent. I think you're on a plane a lot, Jenny too. I lately just want to put on my headphones but on my flight back from Phoenix last week I had a guy who in real estate just wanted to know all about California water and anybody in California water will tell you that is a lifelong discussion California water is very complicated
1: it's very complicated
0: uh what what prompted that Anjanette because you're spot on you know five years ago I would get into great conversations on an airplane. Okay, now check this. I have not been on an airplane since March 7th, 2020. I'm going to be on an airplane again in two weeks. Flying to California, nonetheless. But nobody wants to talk to you anymore. The minute they sit in that seat, before, and if you look like you're going to say something to them. Oh, got my headset on. They just want to. <laughs> it, it's no, I, have,
2: I mean, I like talking to people. I just was with my best friend in Phoenix for four days, and I was really tired. that was the main reason why i was putting my headphones on why would
1: that be
0: (laughs) but uh, but uh, my uh, that's just the way people are today i'm not talking about you in particular yeah they just want to interact with people they don't don't know less
1: and i think a lot of that has to do with covid
0: Mm, i saw it happening before covid
2: oh it was happening way before covid
0: yeah yeah because i haven't been on a plane since covid so I just, and I guess I, I haven't I,
2: either, but I
1: didn't really see that issue.
0: Oh, like I've I seen knew. it develop big time. Ten years ago, I could talk to anybody. Now you you got to get an active Congress and a mandate if you want to have a conversation on a plane. And Jeanette, we're in the final three minutes. Uh, it doesn't have to be water related. What do you want us to most know and think about as we go out today?
2: Um. Well, I think I said a couple minutes ago, California water is very complicated and it's from ridge top to river mouth. Uh, water is not just in the reservoirs. We need to take care of where our water supply comes from. And um, I encourage people to look at voluntaryagreements.org and NorthernCaliforniaWaterAssociation.org, um and Farm Bureau uh, websites to learn more about what we're doing to make the water supply situation in California better. Um, Trent, I don't know, maybe Jenny. I think a lot of people have seen um, the uh, blog or the stories from Dave Daly losing his cows in the Berry Creek fire um, outside of Oroville last year. You yeah. know, we, we have issues going on, and we really need to address them. And the only way that we're going to address them is by listening. Speaking listening of, and learning.
0: Speaking Get on of the Dave-
2: ground, right? Boots on the ground. Yes.
0: Speaking of Dave Daly, who, by the way, has a great mustache, um, you know that situation where he lost those cows. I, I, I've seen a different poignance in his writing, and he's become very prolific in his writing, not just about that situation, but since that situation. Just last week, I had somebody reading to me what Dave Daly wrote, and I think that's a great example. And we can all be like that because we, every one of us, have a place that we can pen something that's a real-life story and share it, and you don't know who's going to read it. I haven't talked to Dave for several years, but I feel like we're connected because I read what he does.
2: Yeah, he was my professor, actually, at Chico State. And and he is the best friend of my counterpart in uh, Richville Irrigation District, Sean Early. So, you know, that was tragic, but Dave's making it into a, a lesson for everybody to learn from, his own personal tragedy. And Dave has been talking about rangeland management for how many years, Trent?
0: As oh, long as I've been around. 25 so let's start
2: listening. Not everybody's an yeah. expert. Let's start listening.
0: He's got to be a horrible teacher, though.
2: <laughs> he's he is so funny, and he's direct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I miss that guy. I got to get to Chico. There's a couple of people at Chico I need to see, Patrick, including you, too. All right. So where do we go from here, Jenny? We got one minute.
1: My takeaway is just what Anjanette said, we need to be listening more and not listening to topics that are related to ag or ranching or farming, other topics. One of my favorite airplane conversations was with a gentleman who, what he did was he created cardboard for an ag company but we didn't get to that part of the conversation until after we had talked about how the cardboard was made and everything. And it was And my husband was with me as well. So it was the two of us just really taking all of that in. And I guess I would suggest and encourage people to do that more.
0: I agree. Be a better listener. I don't think I can talk about Pokemon for more than two seconds, but (laughs) whatever the topic might be. And
1: mind blowing
0: for those of you that think that everybody in California is a whack job, Anjanette Chadley has blown that myth out of the water along with the folks at Modoc County who were one of the first two counties in the nation to establish a resolution saying that 30 by 30 was a bad idea. There are good people in California. You just got to find them. Yeah. We have successfully journeyed down the road, connecting rural and urban America, and we've whetted your appetite for more information about where your food really comes from, where water flows, food grows, all roads lead to a rural route. See you later.